joining us today. You may take your seats. Don't take them too far. How are you? Good, five people. That's a start. (laughs) It's a start. Wow. We're going to continue a little bit from last week. We talked about the message on fear not and just going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time right now together. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and mercy. And Lord, we thank you for the wonder of you, Jesus, that even as we just sang, Father, in worship to you, that we surrender. Help us, Lord, to to do that. There's a, a part we play, but I know that there's a part you play in that as well. So help us, Lord, as we draw near, that you then also in that space draw near as well. And we thank you in Jesus' name. May our hearts be open today to receive your word. Not only to receive it, Lord, that may we do something with it. It's easy. We have, we're just bombarded with so much communication each and every day that it's hard to remember the things we should remember. And it's easy to remember the things we shouldn't. So help us. We ask in your precious name. And everyone say, Amen. Amen. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. I just got a little bit croaky just before in the song. That's a good sign that I'm singing pretty hard. I'm going to speak this morning about overcoming condemnation. And I think it's a, a very stark reminder of the world that we live in and the times in which we live in. And it's so easy for each and every one of us sometimes to actually forget who we are in Christ. And we need to always remember that we never, never live as Christians adversary free. And so I, I suppose this is just in part of what God has laid on my heart, but also in part of just observations and just what I'm gleaning as I, I talk with people. Uh, talking with people, uh, leaders, talking with pastors as well, and just getting this as a sense where we just need to, to uh, sometimes draw a line in the sand and, and just say, you know what, we've lived with this for so long, but now we, uh, we need to do something about it. Uh, I think there's a, a big gap, a quantum gap almost, between who you are and who you really think you are. Let me explain this as we unpack this a little bit this morning, that scripture is our guide and it's our moral compass in who we are and understanding who we are and also understanding the qualities in which God has uh, given us and made for us. I'm amazed, well I shouldn't be amazed that the, those who, who do not know Christ, the battle that they have and the, the struggles that they've, the weight that they carry day in and day out. But I am amazed that sometimes there are many Christians who carry unnecessary weight and burdens. We carry things because it's just the way we know how to live. It's just the way that we do things. Or maybe we've never been told something different or given another option. And so today I pray that this would challenge you a little bit in your your consideration of who you are and what's happening in your world. Because for some of you, I believe today is a breaking point. Today is a releasing point. Today is an opportunity to say, you know what, I am going to draw a line in the sand and I'm not going to be dictated by by what's going on in the mind chatter and the other chatters that are going on around about me. I'm drawing a line 
in the sand. And if we can do that together today, if we can even start that, that conversation, then I think that is a, a good thing. Ephesians 6 reminds us that the, the enemy has tactics and tricks up his sleeve and strategies that he, he, he looks to deploy against us. And the word of God reminds us that we can live con, in condemna, uh, without condemnation that, or, and, and overcome condemnation. I'm just going to read 1 John 1, 1.4 and it says, You have overcome. Everyone say overcome. Because of Christ who is in you, who is your life. Okay, that's the Louis translation. You have overcome because of Christ who is in you, who is your life. I think that's the premise that we need to understand that from the forefront that this is the thought, this is the heart, this is the scripture, this is the good news. This is Jesus declaring that you have overcome. You can wake up today or tomorrow and maybe you think that your world is falling apart and that you're no good and you're nothing and you're a loser. I want you to know, friends, that's not true. The word of God says that you are an overcomer. But sometimes we wake up and we believe that. And maybe you don't today, but maybe it's tomorrow or the next day or the next day. Something triggers these, these thoughts and these ideas and go, am I good enough for God? Uh, if I do something I'm not meant to do, uh, will God forgive me? How can God forgive me? How can God love me? I think at times we've all maybe asked that. We see our own sense of surround of sin and, and the things that we say and don't say and the things we do and should do and don't do. And, and sometimes we see ourselves and we look and we go, wow, God, you've got a lot of work to do here. Okay, well, that's just me when I look in the mirror every morning. I want to have a look at this scripture in John 8, 36. It's a great chapter, John uh, chapter 8. It's Jesus really on, on the defense. The whole chapter is Jesus just trying to present the gospel, but it's just attack after attack. And just trying to trick him, the, the Jews, the Pharisees, it was just on and it didn't stop. It starts off with the woman caught in adultery. And it just goes on to this conversation where Jesus says, you want to murder me? You want to kill me? What is wrong with you? Why are you so upset? And Jesus just tells them, really lays it out what you need to do. And uh, there's no other way around it. And he says this in John 8 verse 36. If the sun sets you free, you are what? <clears throat> you are free. Indeed. This is a real key. Simple verse, but I think we need to just uh, unpack this just a little. If the sun sets you free. Now, I know we all have daunting and challenging moments when we don't feel that God is near. We don't feel God is close. How could he? I, wasn't as, I didn't do the things I was meant to do and I should have done today or the things I should have said. And so we have this tension that goes on in our own lives. And this will feed condemnation, but it shouldn't. See, in the Old Testament, what we don't realise, that it produced spiritual bondage. Now, the law is spiritual. We, really get, we get a sense of that in Romans 6, 7, 8. You could read that as it begins to unpack. So the law is good, it's spiritual, but it revealed how bad we were, how we can't do it on our own, and that God's up here and we're down here. And there's a schism. And the only way that can be that division or divide can be, be joined and is through Christ. Obviously, God's future plan that He had for us all along. But we had to learn that the law doesn't give us life. Not in its fullness 
or its entirety. It, it just pressed a, a bit of a pause, but it just gave us time to get things ready for the right time when the Son of God came. But the law is a reminder still even now of things that are right and wrong. Absolutely. But it was much more than that. If the Son sets you free. See, the law will produce Bondage, because it highlights our state of loss, brokenness, and inability to do anything about it. Friends, you may be facing and dealing with issues of guilt, shame, fear, condemnation. I would encourage you, you don't have to. See, the problem is when we are not able to get free from this weight or weights of the sin and shame uh, as believers, then it says something is terribly wrong. Because when I read the scripture, it says we can even though we're not perfect, there's some sense that we can. And the scriptures begin to unpack that. That's why we call it good news. Because we're not under law and we're not controlled by the law. But some of us just want to go back there. And the churches just want to go back there because it's, it's a, a lot of do's and don'ts. It just provides a, a, a narrative and a safety maybe of, of parameter. Our victory should not be in the reluctance of sin, but in the ability to bounce back in spite of sin and to trust God to be who he says he is. Can I hear an amen? That's true. So we need to unpack this just a little, little further. So there's only one who's never sinned, and that is Jesus. And many believers are living with condemning thoughts, some even think that God is saying it to them. My friend, nothing could be further from the truth. God will never tell you that you are a loser, that you are nothing. He'll never. You ever heard that? Uh, if you ever think or perceive that to be something that is said over you, it definitely didn't come from the Father. Let's have a look at Romans 8. I love hearing the kids in there. They're having some fun, aren't they? This makes you want to go in there and be a kid again. Therefore, it says in Romans chapter 8, Paul's coming to this conclusion of, the, of the, the contrast and the challenges at times of things like he was doing, that he was saying, I don't want to do it, but I'm doing them, and trying to just marry this, this understanding between being human and divine, had, had to have divine presence. And, and so he says, therefore, there is now no, this word no in the Greek means never again, utterly impossible, nothing whatsoever, not at all. Gives you a sense it's final, it's certain. That there's any condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So why are a lot of Christians living with condemnation, shame and guilt and all these other things that is weighing down and trying to suck the life out of them? Why is it happening to us? And to those we know and love. You may not live in that constant state, but we experience it from time to time. And it's a great reminder to say, this is not how it should be. Surely this is what the light that shines within us to the world that is bombarded in that space all the time had no choice to get out of it really in the sense of spiritual release and freedom. So this is what he says. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from what? The law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, and there was many things it could not do, uh, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. So the law shows us that it's incomplete. 
It only can take us so far and no further. It allows us to be able to, to have a, some sense of communion with God, but not ultimately the plan that God was intending until now through Christ. So God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as an offering for sin. He, Jesus, condemned. Everyone say condemned. Okay. He, Jesus, condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk and live under this law and bondage, but walk according, not to the flesh, but according to the Spirit in Christ and in righteousness. Well, we could unpack that and that would take a lot. There's a lot of, this is a great theological context and text to, to uh, digest really. But Paul's saying this is he starts, he says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And yet we sometimes feel it. And we see Christians who battle and struggle in this area and just seem for some reason not to get free. And so we're going to unpack now this a little bit. But firstly, what is condemnation? What does it mean? It means a decision of judgment against someone. The Webster Dictionary says to declare reprehensible evil or wrong, to pronounce guilty, to sentence, to doom. Uh, it has, and it's connected in the word family of, of uh, damnation or dam, where we get the word dam. Criminals are, are condemned, houses are condemned, and humanity, humanity is condemned. The word kali tamar is to judge worthy. This is in the Greek, worthy of punishment, to condemn and condemned by sin. So it's, it's, it's a worthy sense that it is our, because of sin, that we have this sense of awe and air of, of condemnation. But God is now saying that if you are a Christian, then it needs to shift now and you need to stop seeing yourself as a person who's under the law and judged under the weight of the law, but see you as someone who, who now see yourself in Christ, who in him condemned Perfectly. Sin. And he took it to the cross. And he fulfilled it. In his offering, Jesus condemned sin in the flesh so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Okay, let's have a look at this. Condemnation seeks to create an entire way of thinking and, and living built on performance works, and man-based righteousness, and even including that legalism. The law of sin and death for a believer creates condemnation. I don't know if you've heard that before. I don't know if we've talked about it much. Condemnation includes feelings of, as I said, guilt, shame, regret, fear, and fear, sorry, and unworthiness. So that's what it does. That's what the law does. And yet we're not under law, are we? under the law of the spirit, not of the letter. Not this thing that we just heard brings death. So let's have a look at this. So he said, Jesus, it says here, as we said, uh, if the son sets you free, you are what? You are free. See, the devil is a legalist. This is what I've learned. Religious spirits feed off legalism. And Jesus in this conversation later on says in verse 44, you think your father's Abraham? You got it wrong. 
Your father's the devil. Wow, that's a soccer punch right there. Oh, you're probably wondering, just a little bit, you go, Jesus, you really wonder, are you not surprised I don't like you very much? Just wondering why they want to murder you? You've just, that's a heavy insult. But Jesus took this really serious. He didn't want to be any mistake about this. If the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. And this is what Paul is adding to here in, in Romans 8. Paul adds that in Christ you have been set free from the law of sin and death. Okay, we've got that. Because we have been and received a new freedom. So we no longer walk in the bondage to sinfulness. But now we can choose righteousness. So I don't want to make this, this could be quite complicated. I don't want to make it any more than it is for the time that we have. Because you'd need a lot more time to unpack this. But the fact is that if we keep thinking that we're under the law and we're not fully embracing what Christ has done, then we're going to have this pseudo-spiritual thinking going on where we just juggle between how we feel on a certain day. Yes, I'm saved. Yes, I'm a Christian. The next day, oh, woe is me and I'm I'm under the law and God's calling me a loser or whatever it may be for you. I'm no good. How can God really love me? I've messed up. I did this, I didn't do that. And this condemnation takes place. Now condemnation, as I said, comes from, from really the sense of it, it's stimulating the sin in us. And that's before salvation through the law. But it's also because of uh, the devil as Christians. Now the devil is now bringing this sense of condemnation. Let me again explain this. In John 12, Jesus said, He came not to condemn the world but save it. And the world out there thinks that the gospel message is about condemnation. Well, they're living in condemnation because they know what's right and what's wrong. There's a law in our heart, the Bible teaches us, but there's also the law that we know and learn who God is and what God likes and what God doesn't like. The devil is a legalist. So this self-condemnation is from Satan. It will seek to tear you down. And I've seen it do that with Christians, many Christians. For many years, who are good Bible-believing Christians, but just get teared down with this idea. Condemnation continually points to your failure and how bad or badly you have messed up. Condemnation is showing that you are the problem, but avoiding what the solution is. It's what you become your focus and poison. It's what you think about all the time. But ultimately... Christ in salvation releases us. In John 3, 18, it says, whoever believes in him is not condemned. So we're just unpacking this. But he who does not believe is already condemned. So as Christians, we should not be carrying any sense of condemnation. We learn that we are overcomers, and that means also in this space of condemnation, we should not be having our heads down low before God and saying, whoa, I'm a sinner. We should be recognising fully what Christ has done. Otherwise, we're just, we're just playing around with certain scriptures and ideologies and theologies and we're trying to mix them together and then we wonder why there's no victory. And I can do that too as well. And I've got to come back to the authority of God's word. We have to come back and say, what are you saying about this? This self-condemnation also has a way of manifesting in certain places and this is something of a conversation I've been having with a few people lately. Self-pity. 
Sometimes we look at our circumstances, our situation, and we go, we make comparisons. This person can do that. This person has that. And then we start to think, well, Lord, where am I in this? And what has happened? And we start to think about maybe the decisions we made or the decisions other people made, maybe on our behalf, that brought harm and pain and hurt and mistrust. And so we start to live in this place of self-pity. And I've been there. But this is the thing about self-pity, and you'll know this is true. If you remember anything today, remember this. Self-pity is the root of misery. Self-pity is the root of misery. And if you stay there, and I've been there, sometimes I just have days and I just, I just feel like God has left me, and I, just, and I just focus on the wrong things, start thinking, I'm going, why am I doing that? And then the Holy Spirit will just, he has to arrest my heart, he has to stop and say, hey, what are you doing? The comforter comes along and he says, what are you doing? Why are you thinking that? You know better, you know you can, you're not that person. Jesus, what Jesus did worked. There's no a, you know, A, B, C, D after that. What Jesus did for, for you and for I, it worked. He said it is finished. It completed. It was successful. Matthew 12, 37 says, For by your words you will be quitted, and by your words you will be condemned. There's a context of the things that we're thinking and saying. Sometimes we're bringing and speaking condemnation, self-condemnation on top of us. And I've seen it, and I've worked with people like this, who they just, they, they just need to be, they just need to reprogrammed and renewed in their thinking. And they just keep thinking because they've heard it all their life. A lot of the people out there in the world, a lot of those who, and kids, you see it. The thinking that they have, the, the mindset, it's so hard to break. And there's a lot of things you can do with counselling and, and, and education, I get that. But it's spiritual as well. See, I, knew, I know this personally because when I grew up in a single parent, I just thought I couldn't, I thought it was my fault. I lived thinking it was my fault. I was angry. I hated everybody, really. There's only a few people, a handful of people I liked. Even my best mate, I punched up. Like, I was a terrible friend. I, I, I attacked school teachers. I did some terrible things. They, they were afraid of me. They put me in a room near the principal and kept me in there. Now that you wouldn't do that, they put me in a nice, lovely, comfortable room, well room. <laughs> Probably Diet Coke all day and, and chips and whatever else. And it's lovely. But we don't have that. I didn't have that then. I was put into a room with a, a chair and a desk and blinds. Everybody would walk past and see this uncontrollable maniac in this, in this room. They didn't know what to do with. And so I lived just, just not only just thinking I was no good, but I'll never be any good. There's no chance for me. Just living, going through the motions. How many people are living out there with that same mentality? Now, that was before Christ, but I love the fact that I can see the difference. I can understand how, the, how, the, how that thinking works, but now I can understand how the thinking should be and what it needs to be. Self-pity is the root of misery. It's an exaggeration of, of one's life, position and circumstances in a negative take. And if we keep in that space, it becomes a habit or habitual thinking and it stunts our self-worth and creates self-destructive cycles in our lives. Self-condemnation is hateful. You could even say at times it could even relate to self-hate. 
See, because if Satan can't steal your salvation, what will he go after? Your joy. So if you've lost your joy and you go, well, what do I do with it? You did lose it. But you can find it again. You can find it again in Christ Jesus. And you know the joy of the Lord is your strength. See, the enemy is real. See, the devil, he will try to hurt you and hinder you and burden you, but he will never bless you. You never come away from, from that situation feeling blessed. If you are not found in Christ, you are already marked with sin. You have condemnation all over you. That is harsh, but that's the reality. You can fight it all you want. You, can, you can't wash it away. You can't wish it away. You cannot will it away. It is a permanent mark upon you until it is taken away through Christ Jesus, through his grace and, his, and salvation that he offers in his name. Isn't that a joyful thing to be mindful of? So when you have a low moment and you're thinking, woe is me, you can have that moment. Be real in the moment. Be true to that. But say, if I keep thinking this way, what will happen? And is this true of your real nature in Christ? Ask those questions. And then ask, Holy Spirit, help me to stop thinking this way. Help me to know how to renew my mind in your word. Because you'll live every day as a Christian and you'll interact with people and they will give you the impression that you're not good enough. We talked about that a few weeks back. That you're not enough. That you're missing it or you're missing out or you're the have-nots. And you pick it up and then you'll come back and you'll just feel like, oh, they've got a perfect marriage over there. Oh, their kids are well-behaved. Why aren't mine? Oh, they've got family over there. I've done this a lot. This is where I've gone back. I've gone back to just looking at my family tree and looking at the, the, the mess it's been. And it just, my, my question was, God, why couldn't you put me in a different family? It's a bit of an insult. Because at times it's just like, God, I just, if I just had a different platform, a different beginning to, to start off and a different environment, maybe. And we get there and then guess what happens? I'm miserable. I'm just loathing in my own self-pity. Condemnation is just enjoying it, busking around me, and I'm just feeling more miserable than ever. And that's not God's plan for me. You are free. Indeed. This word, indeed, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. This word is really important. It's just like it's tagged in on the end there. But Jesus, this is what Jesus meant. In the Greek, it means in all reality, point of fact and certainty of truth and it carries in this the completeness of what is being said so God never condemns us in Christ Jesus Romans 1 8 let's read it again therefore there is no now never again utterly impossible to be for condemnation to be for those who are in Christ Jesus it doesn't say there's a little I don't read there's just a little on a bad day, just you can have a little bit of condemnation. I don't read that. It says no condemnation. Not at all. Never again. It's utterly impossible. It should be. Are you in Christ Jesus? I'd say if, if you can say a resounding yes, you need to think about this. Then how much condemnation should you have? None. You should have none. 
It's utterly inconceivable for any believer to be condemned because what, have, what Jesus has done for you. You will never be condemned by God. Jesus took all your unworthiness and sin and transgressions and judgment and condemnation to the cross. That's what the gospel teaches us. Jesus justified you through his death and resurrection and now you are approved. And you're going to know that. And there's some things I don't do well and I don't maybe fully understand, but I do know who I am in Christ Jesus. And that's the thing that often gets attacked. Who am I? And I'm promising you, friends, when, you, when you're really weighing up that, that that's, that's a thick battle you've got right now. You want to get out of that. You want to just declare God's word over your life again and again. I'm just, I feel tired in my spirit. I just, I just hear of stories and scenarios and of pastors and of, and of just stuff that's going on and this, 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 this worldliness of, of condemnation that comes in and, and just tries to smother the church, tries to just take that flame and just, just cover it and put it out. Don't you receive that? Do you let go of anything that anyone has said to you about you, whether it be in jest or in hate or in malice? or an evil, or nastiness, you, you, whatever it is that comes to your mind, and you need to get that thing, you need to give it a big kick at the butt. Just push it away. Say, no more. No more. There is no condemnation on my life and in my life anymore because of Jesus Christ. Gee, imagine how different the church would be if we all believed that. The re reality is that when we sin, it's because we choose to sin. The power of sin has been broken. We don't need to have condemnation with that. What happens is God uses, when we become a Christian, it's conviction, not condemnation. So before Christ and under the law, there's condemnation. But in Christ and under the Spirit, there is conviction. It's a whole different ball game. It doesn't achieve the same means. Conviction is about building you up. It's about helping you to identify who you are. It's helping to realign and to see some of the stuff that maybe is not right in you. And that is God's heart. It's out of love, not to condemn and to make you feel bad. In 1 John 5, 18, it says, We know that anyone born of God does not continue to sin. They're not, they're not named by that. The one who is born of God keeps them safe and the evil one cannot harm them. Remember, Satan is the accuser of the brethren in Revelation 12. You won't ever hear God telling you you are a failure, that you messed up, that you're not good enough, and the world will keep telling you that, that, all those things every day in something. All the time, it's everywhere. You're reading it, hearing about it all the time. And that's why we have to keep renewing ourselves in, in our mind in the things of God, through the Word of God. The Word of God needs to have precedent in our hearts and lives. In John 3, it says, whoever believes in him or Jesus is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's only Son. Conviction is known in the Bible also as godly sorrow. Some may want to question that, but I believe it helps us to get to this point where godly sorrow is what the Scriptures say leads us to repentance. So when there's conviction, it goes, okay, Lord, I want to live right before you. Help me to live right before you. Conviction kicks in. 
2 Corinthians 10 says, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. Condemnation tells you, you are a failure. Look at what you did. Conviction tells you, go to Jesus. He will help you. He will forgive you. He will restore you. He will make you whole. He will make you well. Isaiah 30 says, Therefore the Lord longs to be gracious to you, and therefore he awaits on high to have compassion. I know there's a lot of information today. This could be four weeks. and We could really unpack this. But I just need to give it to you today to think about it and to process it as I just feel it to my heart. For the Lord is a God of justice. How blessed are all those who long for him. In 1 John 1, 9, uh, 1.9, it says, If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us for unrighteousness. And remember, condemnation is a result of unrighteousness. And so it starts to mess with our head and we start to think about condemnation rather than what God is taking us on the journey of being convicted by sin and being renewed in his love. Romans 2 says, Do not, do not realise God's kindness Intends to lead you towards repentance. Conviction shows you that Jesus is the answer to your problem. Conviction shows you that the blood of Jesus is what washes you every sin away. If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? I don't know who it is today who needs to hear this. I think we all do at times because we get so caught up living as we do in this tent, this tabernacle. And for however long it is, it's so easy to revert back to our old ways and our old thinking and the things that make us feel safe or easy or comfortable. But all those things aren't healthy. Not all of them. Conviction shows you the answer. It's the blood of Jesus that washes away your sin. Condemnation shows you the problem, that you're a failure and you're in constant failure. Condemnation shows you that problem is you, but conviction shows you the solution, and that is Jesus, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So what do you do? You don't go back over your sins. What do we do? That's what we do. We don't just allow condemnation to be uh, around anymore. Like the song we've been singing, the song we're about to sing, can I invite the team to come up, please? Friend, change your focus. Maybe you're a loved one you're working with or maybe you're talking with someone. Maybe it's a Christian conversation. Maybe it's not. This is good news. It helps us to understand how we can live in victory and we can determine that victory by all of our thinking and our decision making. As I said at the start, we learned that we are overcomers. Hebrews 10 says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled and cleansed. Galatians 5 says, for it's freedom that Christ has set us free. Will you bow your heads, please? Father, we pray right now that you would help us, Lord, and that you would release a new sense of spirit and freedom over our hearts and lives. So as we get caught up in life and the business of life, we get caught up just believing and hearing the things that go on around about us, and we need to reframe some things right now. We need to take back what the devil has stolen. We need to realise, Father, that some of us have just had this, this subtle back, background running noise of condemnation that's just, just being there again and again. 
looking at what we can do and not do, the mistakes that we've made, how we could have maybe done it differently or better, and all these things just pile onto us and they're not helpful. So help us today to realise that we are called to be overcomers and that we are in a walk, in a journey of learning every day to put that into practice, to, to trust your word and to be people who can overcome condemnation. So Father, whatever we've said to ourselves, whatever anyone has said to us, whatever the enemy would even work and will to say against us, Father, even what is in the past, for some of it, Lord, it could be 10 minutes ago. For some of us, it could be 20 years ago. The enemy will grab that thing, grab that seed, and try and replant it in our heart to build this sense of condemnation. Lord, we say no more. No more. Whatever it is, no more. We do not that influence and that control and that condemnation ever again in our lives. And so, Lord, free us. Remind us of your truth today. And give us, Father, the great joy to live and leave this place today in victory that we are on the winning side. You have given us the victory. You fought the battle and it's ours. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen. Let's stand as we sing.